Trinity Baptist Church, a community growing in faith, obedience, and joy. I never tire of hearing Jimmy share his story. We at Crew Inner City are just so inspired by people like Jimmy. And I'm excited to report that he officially joined our team full-time this past year. Really thrilling. And it all started when volunteers who cared enough to share the love of Jesus with Jimmy through just a simple box of love showed up at his door. And the rest is history. He's one of so many stories of changed lives that we know. And this year, 4,700 families in need will be receiving boxes of love for Thanksgiving. And I'm really eager to see what God is going to do. And you can all be a blessing to them as well. So come on out on November 18th. Come join us for the Box of Love packing party to pack up the boxes. It's actually our 33rd annual Box of Love packing party. Volunteering is something that has been very, very significant to me. As a high school teenager, I worked with children that had emotional challenges. And as a young adult, I volunteered with physically disabled adults. Through these experiences, God planted a seed in my heart that grew into one who really loves to encourage others. And especially people that come from difficult backgrounds and people that feel like they don't have any options. Over 30 years ago, while working at a Manhattan bank, I started volunteering with Crew's Inner City Ministry. And this experience changed the vocational direction of my life. I found myself yearning for greater opportunities to share Jesus' compassion with hurting people. So I took a huge step of faith and joined Crew's staff and have not looked back or regretted that decision. To this day, my heart is still moved by Crew's mission to come alongside local inner-city churches and ministries with training and with resources to be able to see more lives restored like Jimmy's. But one church or ministry organization cannot do this alone. We need one another, and we need to work together. And we at Crew Inner City are just so grateful to the wonderful partnerships that we share with you at Trinity and also with Hope for New York. Because it's together that we are bringing the hope of Christ to many of the 1.7 million New Yorkers who live in poverty in our city. Every Tuesday afternoon, you'll find me up in Harlem volunteering at the Bowery Mission Women's Center. And the women come from all kinds of homeless backgrounds. Some have huge barriers to employment because of, of past wrong choices. As I lead them through a curriculum to prepare them for a meaningful job search, we also talk about Jesus. And we encourage one another as we trust him more deeply. I don't think the women realize how fully they inspire and encourage me. 
As I watch them trust God to overcome their fears and persevere through their challenges, he speaks to my heart about my own. And as I listen to them share about their experiences, God challenges me to trust him more. And he reminds me of my own brokenness and our common need for a savior. And I experience so much joy. Just last September, a group of women um, received their graduation certificates right on this very platform. And what thrilled me was to see that each one is walking with the Lord and each one on their career path that they had talked about in class. It really moved my heart. And I consider it such a special privilege to be able to serve them. I am Sandy Barnett, and I am a follower of Jesus Christ. The scripture reading for today is found in 1 Peter 4, verses 7 to 11. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength of God that he provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Sandy. Well, if you don't know who I am, my name is Beth Markham. I am the director of worship arts here at Trinity. And every once in a while, they let me talk. So today's one of those days. Um, and I'm excited about, about what we get to talk about this morning. For the last several weeks, we've all been in this series called Love Where You Live, The Art of Neighboring. Now, Keith and James have walked us through the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And then what else? Just love your neighbor as yourself, right? Love. Um, We've looked at the story of the Good Samaritan, and we've asked the hard question, who is my neighbor? We've talked about presence, being present in time and in faith and in personal investment. And we've talked about doing that not for the sake of saving people, but just to be conduits of God's love with no strings attached. We've talked about throwing parties and asking for help. We've talked about reconciliation. We've talked about what it means to be the body of Christ 
and the unique gifting and role each of us has been given. And we've talked about the exponentially expanding impact we have in the world when we operate as one. But this morning, I'd like to tie a bow on the series by looping back to the series title with a slightly different emphasis. See, we've talked a lot about love, but what about where we live? See, the art of neighboring is also about recognizing that the place we are in is as divine an appointment as any gifts or talents or blessings we may have to bring to the table. The where is as important as the who. Our purpose is more linked to place perhaps in any other part of God's orchestration of our roles in his story. So I just want to look real quickly at the book of Acts in chapter 17. Luke writes, from, from one man he made all the nations that they should inhibit, inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. My old 1984 NIV edition says, he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. I don't know if anybody else needs to hear that today. Think about it. What was the first thing God created for Adam? He created the Garden of Eden. It was a place, albeit a place that was ultimately lost, which was kind of a pivotal issue in the whole unfolding story of mankind. The original call to Abraham was to leave Ur and go to a place that God would send him to. Moses left Egypt to take the Israelites to Canaan. Ezra and Nehemiah returned to Israel to rebuild sacred space. And the very kind of obscure towns where our Savior was born and lived and ultimately died were prophesied a thousand years beforehand. See, God cares about space. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to have our little forced fellowship time that I know we all love so very much. Yes, this morning. And and I I hope it's kind of fun for you. If if you know me, you know that um, I like to keep it real. I think one time I made you guys turn to one another and complain. Um, But today, (laughs) what we're going to do is we're going to get into these little groups of three and four. And I want you to tell the truth to one another. How are you feeling about New York City today? Now that it's cold, now that the monsoons have hit, how are you feeling about our city today? I'll give you two minutes. Go. Okay, I'm going to bring you back. And we're going to see how this went. With a show of hands, who's over the city today? I see my daughter raising her hand. Y'all over it? Who loves the city today? Oh, God bless you. I don't got to pray. I, I, I'm, we're good to go. Now, listen, my husband and I, we first moved to New York City in 1994, February of 1994. Now, I don't know if any of y'all remember the winter of 1994, but as I recall, it snowed every Wednesday. Every Wednesday, it snowed. 
and alternate side parking was suspended indefinitely, which really didn't matter because all of the cars in Manhattan were covered with like that 10 inches of black snow, you know, that no shovel could possibly penetrate. And see, look at that. And then the streets, all the streets in Midtown were one lane. And they were like this ice bridge that the cars would kind of drive very slowly down. And the gutters at every intersection were frozen over. Y'all know how that gets sometimes? For the whole winter. So I'd be heading, you'd be heading to work, or in my case, I was heading to an audition, and I got my little shoes and my little musics over my shoulder. got 90s hair and makeup, yeah? And you come to the intersection, and you have to, like, do a grand jeté over the, the moat of ice and nasty frozen water just to get across the street at every single intersection. One day I left for my temp job. I was a perfume model at Galleries Lafayette. And um, I looked outside and I noticed that it was snowing outside. Now I'm from Texas. So in Texas, the snow is fluffy and beautiful. It's like Charlie Brown Christmas. And it never occurred to me that I might have to take an umbrella to walk in the snow. Right? <laughs> and until I walked from West 46th Street to 58th and 5th and arrived with my 90s hair and makeup intact, um, looking like the frozen swamp monster of the Northeast. Uh, from that point on, I started as a game, kind of keeping score with the city. Y'all know the city will beat you up, you know? And you can keep score with it, you know? You can say, like, today, mm, city 10. Best zero, yeah? We've, we've had those days, but the days when you beat the city, that's golden. There's nothing better. And those first few years in New York were a real roller coaster for us. We, we actually moved here with this tribe of theater friends from Dallas-Fort Worth. We just all decided at the same time that it was time to go to New York and take over Broadway. And we, we had this sweet little community of friends who sort of navigated the whole transition as a group. Like, we would stand in line at Equity at 5 in the morning together um, Y'all don't have to do that anymore, I know, but that's not right. We had to stand in line in the snow. We would sign one another's up for um, the chorus calls together. We would gather on Thursday nights. Do y'all remember Must See TV? We had like a standing date on Thursday nights because we had no money to meet at one another's like little bitty teeny tiny apartments. And um, we'd order some pizza, we'd bring some potluck, and we'd bring really cheap wine. And we'd gather together and we'd watch what was it, Friends and Seinfeld and Will and Grace together. And um, we'd talk about shared experiences and we'd um, encourage one another. And we'd pray for each other too. It's almost like church. Except I probably should say God really didn't have that big a role in that group. I mean, a lot of us were Christians, but we had kind of walked away from organized religion at that point, but we had each other. I never felt like I was moving to some big city. I had my friends, I was so blessed. And ultimately it was one of those friends 
who invited Roy and I to come visit her sweet little church on the Upper East Side where the pastor spoke Texan. And um, we were able to come and, and refill because we had been spiritually um, destroyed for a while without Jesus. And that's what this neighboring series has really been about, you guys, hasn't it? It's about, it's about being the church. How many of us have identified a third space during this series, yeah? It's a place for us to intentionally invest outside of home and work and church. Actually, it's, it's more of an extension of church, right? Or, or it should be. It, if we know, I know that we, we talk a lot about bringing up there down here. Our third space initiative is more about bringing in here, out there, perspective-wise. But the problem is, if you're like me, you've been conditioned to think of the church as a place to escape the world outside. It's a safe haven. So I have this confession to make. I've been doing life, body, mind, soul, at Trinity Baptist Church for almost 20 years. This is my first, second, third, fourth, and fifth space. It's my place of business. It's Roy's place of business. It's our church. It's our family. It's our friends. And by God's grace, we've managed to um, have the blessing of sending our daughter to a private Christian school for the last nine years. That's our sixth space. We do life completely in Christian community, just like I dreamed about as a 16-year-old in my big Southern Baptist church in Fort Worth, Texas. And I don't have a single significant relationship with someone who is not a Christian. And that wrecks me. You guys, that's not okay. The, the, the tribe I told you about, that family, that showbiz family that we all moved to New York with and made this place home. Listen, a lot of them are still in the city, but I don't see them. Life gets busy, right? And, and if I'm honest, a lot of them may not really be in a big hurry to reach out to me either because now as I'm the so-called professional Christian, maybe they're a little afraid that I stand in judgment of them or that I've moved on from them. And nothing could be further from the truth. But that's kind of the message Christians send the world sometimes, isn't it? See, we, we think about church as a place to find people like us, to worship the Lord and to learn from the word and from one another. And yes, certainly to, to go from here and serve the world, but... You guys, way too often, we're serving the world only in the context of what our church is doing for them, us and them. But recall that the local church is only one part of the kingdom. And the art of neighboring reminds us that Jesus used the word church three times in the Gospels. And he used the word kingdom 121 times. What is a church, anyway? Is it a building? Is it an organization? Is it a pastor? That one hits me pretty close to home today. 
we heard from the book of Peter in this morning's reading. Christ told Peter in Matthew 16, he says, on this rock I will build my church. The word for church there is ecclesia, which means the called out ones. So we know enough about the character of God to say with pretty solid assurance that he didn't call us out of one place to hide from another. I think we've heard this before. Uh, Ed Stetzer, he writes, the church is one of the few organizations in the world that does not exist for the benefit of its members. The church exists because God in his infinite wisdom and infinite mercy chose the church as his instrument to make known his manifold wisdom in the world. How are we going to make him known in the world if we hide in here? While we're on the subject, um, is the church limited to Trinity Baptist Church? I I know you know the answer to that, but are we really living it? See, we've had these amazing opportunities these past three weeks to partner with ministries of two other churches on the Upper East Side, and I know that we're also launching an Alpha program at a church downtown, but I'm going to ask you another question that you don't have to raise your hand for. We're going to get real again. Did, did anybody else think, just for a minute, as Keith and James were casting the vision for this initiative, um, why aren't we using this time and energy to help our own church grow? Or maybe helping a church plant isn't the issue. How many of us flinch just a little bit when we hear of larger churches' successes across town? Hillsong Records. And we talk to our friends in other congregations, and we want to tell them how much better we are, right? And we, how awesome our church is, and maybe even talk them into coming over here, and they become a part of Trinity. But y'all, that's not making disciples, that's shuffling the deck. Let me right here put the whole thing in perspective, because listen, I used to be the most annoyed at the whole church plant phenomenon. I didn't understand why didn't all these church plants come here to help the established churches instead. Well, here's the thing. In 1990s, when Roy and I started attending Trinity, we were one of maybe three or four games in town as far as an evangelical church with a contemporary worship service went. Now we're one of over a hundred And you can look around the room and you can see the empty seats and you can see that. For lack of a better word, there's just more competition. But here's the thing. If you hear nothing from me today, please hear this. There are 7,000 people living on this two-block radius alone. And I think maybe three of them are here today. And maybe two of them were here in the late 90s, I'm just saying. And and in the borough of Manhattan, with an estimated population of 1.6 million in 23 square miles, we would need a megachurch on every block to get them all in. Except for we would have torn down their apartments to do it. So the, the church plants... They're not encroaching on our territory, you guys. They're reminding us. They're convicting us of the real reason we're here to begin with. 
right now those 7,000 people are not coming in here. And it's not because we're not worth coming in for. It's certainly not because Jesus isn't worth coming in here for. Maybe it's because we're not really going out there to do life with them, to engage with them and love them for no other reason but to engage with them and love them. They're not our service project, you guys. They're our neighbors by divine appointment. Maybe I'm going out on a limb here, but maybe the attractional model of church that most of us grew up with is no longer relevant for an expanding and post-Christian culture. Maybe it's not enough. What if when we said church, we saw in our minds not this safe enclave of, of like-minded people huddling together from the storm, but say, wherever two or three are gathered in his name, there he is with them. What are those two or three people were gathered in line at the bodega or at school pickup or our building's co-op boards or gathered around the coffee machines in our offices or riding on the subway? What, what if when we came out of the subway or stepped onto an elevator, we saw not too many people in too small a space, but the kingdom of God? Sandy read Peter's words this morning. Above all, love one another deeply, for love covers a multitude of sins. Love one another. He's not just talking about you and me and the people in this room. He's talking about the kingdom of God. But do we even see the rest of the city as the kingdom of God? Do we really see it as God would see it? Redeemed. You know that he sees it redeemed, don't you? Now, I want you to stay with me here because I'm not saying it is redeemed yet. But that God sees it as he created it, as he died for it to be. Remember, God is present future. Graham Cook says that. Uh, He's not obsessed with sin. He already paid the price for it. What he is obsessed with is people. Hebrews 10.10 tells us that we, that's all of us, have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Do you believe that? You believe that you are washed clean by the sacrificial blood of Jesus Christ. It's true. Did he do it just for you and me? just for those of us who are enlightened enough to get it the first time. Second, third, fourth, fifth time. (laughs) For those of us who are lucky enough, blessed enough to grow up in Christian homes and in privilege. No. Romans 5.8 tells us, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, God sees us as we can be, and we will be, as we are becoming holy. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Present, future. 
And he sees them the same way. His kingdom on earth. Of course, you and I, we, we have this role to play in bringing about the kingdom. And my point is not. Now, you're going to turn to one another and you're going to say, her point is not. Go. Her point is not. It's not. Her point is not that the world does not need saving. It does. And there's only one answer. Christ is clear. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I just propose that if we're all so busy loving on one another in our Christian community, hiding or avoiding the people who aren't like us, how will they know what he's already done? If we don't show Christ's love just for the sake of Christ's love, how how will they ever be open to receiving his gift? How will they be free? What are we doing about going out to advance God's kingdom where we live? Of course, even as I speak today, I keep hearing these words, we and they and us and them, and I I cringe. Because isn't that really the crux of all the division in our city and in our nation and in our world? We tend to see things through this lens of us and them religiously, politically, racially, socioeconomically, whether we're talking about Washington, D.C., or the Bronx, or the middle of the country, or the million-plus people in this city who, like my old theater friends, suspect that we really want no part of them. But, of course, the reality is there is no them and there is no us not in the eyes of the Savior, not in the kingdom of God. I believe it's time to wake up. We can't be okay with huddling together in here. We can't be okay with creating a comfortable nest and hunkering down. And I'm going to take this one step further, okay? We can't. Trinity. Church in transition. We can't be okay with preserving our church at the expense of building the church for the next generation. It's time for us to grow up and make peace with the fact that out there is the reason we're here. So, practical application. That's good, right? Here's some ways that Trinity is striving to empower all of us to be the hands and feet in Jesus to take in here, out there. First up, if you've heard already this morning, we're going to be serving with Hope for New York and crew packing boxes of love this coming Saturday. There's information about that in your bulletin. Now, those of you with youth, or if you are a youth, or if you just like the youth, um, they're going to be serving the very same day on the west side, packing gift boxes for underprivileged kids through Operation Child. And I heard that Janet may still have a few openings, so hit her up. In December, we're partnering with Hope for New York again, running a His Toy Store location. 
Again, information for that is in your bulletin. Y'all, let's not look at these as opportunities to just tick off our service project box on our church activity calendar. Let's look at these as opportunities to be the church out there. Now, as we, as most of us know, and as we prayed this morning, uh, last Sunday, there was a tragic shooting at First Baptist Church of Sutherland Springs, Texas, and 26 people were killed, and there's nobody left in that small town who is untouched by this tragedy. So we're going to be the church. We've set up a table downstairs for everybody here to go down and just write a note of encouragement or a lament or a prayer. We want to let them know that we stand with them and we grieve with them. And we'll put it all together and we'll send it down there this week. And okay, I, I got to throw this one out there. Please forgive me. So I don't know if you know that this really great worship team just put together this awesome CD. Have you heard that? It's an awesome collection of worship music, and it's accessible. And we hope it's not too churchy. And we put it together to give us all a tool to take in here, out there. And about out there, who remembers when we were doing the coffee cart outside? Yeah? You remember that? Not only were we able to serve our neighbors and the dogs, you know, that were walking by, but, but several people decided to come in from the outside to see what we were all about. Some of them said they had walked by the church every day and always wondered what went on in here. Now it's cold. How much more of a blessing would it be to hand out coffee or hot chocolate to cold people? especially at Christmas time. And all we need is one or two people. Maybe this could be a family project. Um, to come in 25 minutes early on a Sunday morning and take in here, out there. Can we love our neighbors by giving up 25 minutes of sleep one Sunday? Those are only some of the ways we here at Trinity are working to empower the local church. But you know these are supplemental. These are supplemental to the impact God wants to make through each of us as the church in the city. Something I'm thinking about, um, Thanksgiving is next week, right? Y'all know that? It's next week, Thanksgiving. Um, and we know that that can be kind of a sad time for people. Um, I wonder if there's anyone from the outside that you could invite into your holiday this year. You know, I've been thinking about this, and we have to work out the details, but I think I'm going to reach out to one or two of my old theater buddies and see if they want to come over and eat some turkey with us. No strings attached, you know, just catching up with them and loving on them because that's what I think the kingdom looks like in New York City. So now I... I I can kind of see some of you guys thinking, maybe you're here visiting, or maybe you're just here for a season, and you're thinking, um, New York City is not the only place that needs Jesus, right? Yeah, I know. I don't always like that, but I know. The last instructions Jesus gave to us on earth were to go into all the world and make disciples. 
So not only can we not hunker down in our homes and church buildings, we can't ignore that all the world part, no matter how much it hurts us sometimes. If we are the ecclesia, the called out ones, well, people are going to get called out. And we're going to be asked to send them. And I know that for many of us, that might hit all too close to home right now. But our mission, Trinity, is not to hoard, but to share the wealth. And we have this particularly rich legacy here of leadership development and of sending And I think I'm safe in saying this morning that whether you have been or you are or you will be the sender or the sent, God is pleased. This is our role in God's story. Now, we're going to hear more about that next week, I know, from Keith. But today, we are all here. And here, you guys, here is the crossroads of the world. Here, this big, transient, oppressive, beautiful city is, if not the heart, an aortic artery of the world's banking, economic policy, business, entertainment, fashion, international policy, and reconciliation, and dare I say, Christ's love to the nations. And you know, right, Jesus loves the city. You know that. When Jesus comes back, he's not building him a suburb on the hill, right? He loves us. He loves the city. And not a single one of us is here by accident, not a one. We're called and we're commissioned to make a difference here. Amen. So everybody close your eyes. I want to pray with the words of of Peter once more this morning. And as I'm reading this morning's scripture over us, I want you to picture where you live. If not your apartment building, your place of business, your third space, your commute, your kid's school, your school the bodega on the corner. Now listen to these words from Peter in the context of that place. The end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply Because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves... They should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. 
To him be the glory and the power forever. <laughs>